Welcome to RTFM. We are in full Kickstarter mode, and this is a special episode, an Appendix Now episode. Yeah, special. We're, we're I don't know. We're in, we're in the bad. We're in the bad Kickstarter land, but we're going to talk about cool things because of it. Yeah. Um, so this is the first in a series of just stuff that uh, influenced the games we're working on that we're kickstarting right now. Um, I'm still Unlike, Aaron King. I don't know. Do we need to do personal intros for these little episodes? Probably not. Uh, unlike unlike every other episode of RTFM, we are going into the next few episodes knowing that we kind of like shit. Sometimes even really like shit. Yeah. yeah. Um, Case in point. I, this one, I think, being the standout. Of yeah. Lot. We're, we're talking about Cyber Metal 2012 by Adam Vass, published by World Champ Game Co. The best uh, game of 2012. I mean, 2022. <laughs> yeah, it came out last year. Um, it is a landscape hardcover RPG. It is, uh, what, 100 pages? 100 and something. <laughs> uh, you know, it's it's in the 130s, 140s. There's extra pages of like worksheets and stuff at the back, which is cool. Um, it is set in 2012. It is cyber metal as opposed to cyberpunk. It is set in Pentagram City, which is Grand Rapids, Michigan, after uh, Reagan was killed by a heavy metal band in an alternate timeline. And the forces of hell erupted. Uh, Y2K hit. And Pentagram City is now sealed off from the rest of the world. And is you take the role of little weirdos trying to have fun and survive in this fucked up city yeah yeah y2k hit in a like the worst of what we thought y2k was gonna be as in everything broke technology got bad uh a bug was released yeah I love it. it's it's wild just right off the bat it is wild to think about we've been talking about y2k culture a lot lately but like it's wild to think of that time <laughs> as a person who lived through it, right? Like there are there are grown adults now who were not cognizant, who were not alive during right. the Y2K scare. And it's so funny to think about like how genuinely afeared <laughs> of Y2K <laughs> society was when it when it was on the horizon. That was back when we didn't have more serious problems, or at least it felt that way. <laughs> Yeah, our biggest concern was what happens when the clocks reset. Is everything going to die? Um, and of course, people like worked to prevent Y2K from being bad. Like, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't like whatever. I was 13 years old. I wasn't like integrating what what the, the technological possibilities and or safeguards were that were actually happening around Y2K. It was just like this general feeling like that. And that like countdown or whatever. Yeah. It was just a wild time. It was a wild yeah. time to think yeah. that this was a big fear. Uh, but also, you know, like wide leg mod robes existed. So like, you know, it was, it was <laughs> Smash wild. Mouth was rocking the charts. Yeah. Yeah. It was, a, it was a wild time all around. I recently uh, have been 
trying to rediscover music that I like throughout my life. But because of the, because of moving from technology to technology, I've lost a lot of like the music that was really important to me when I was younger. Um, and I've been trying to uh, find it lately and gather it in a, in a way in which I can't lose it when Spotify goes down or whatever. Yeah. Um, I'm and- still rocking old iTunes. I refuse to update it. It has all my music from middle I- school on. I never put mine in iTunes, which I'm glad because uh, Izzy lost all of hers in that iTunes bug that right. stole a bunch of people's music libraries. Y2K. Um, yeah, Y2K. The Y210, whatever. Um, yeah, and recently I discovered the Chris Shepard pirate radio compilations, which is... A thing that I don't think anybody is a fan of except me. I've but if you're listening this. to this and you want some vibes <laughs> for the Y2K era, <laughs> please go find. They're on YouTube. Chris Shepard is the DJ um, uh, part of Love Inc. <laughs> as far as <laughs> Y2K vibes go. Um, but that is some real. This is this is what I think about the aesthetics of Y2K. There, I've set you up with a soundtrack. It's not metal, but. <laughs> that's fine um that yeah, was this, long that was a long <laughs> that was a long tangent listen i'm i'm deep in the 90s vibes today you can't you can't pull me out of them yeah uh anyway this book is cool uh the art it's full of art by adam like this really kind of wet ink style that i really like um it's it's a d100 roll under skill system so not far we off from it. warhammer or sledgehammer or um what else or i don't know rune quest <laughs> or hand um, baskets right on kickstarter for reasons that have to do with this game being so good <laughs> uh <laughs> but yeah uh so i mean the cool thing the the first kind of innovation on this system is that you roll the d100 and then you end up it, you, you compare it to your skill level if it's over you fail if it's under you succeed but then you break those dice up, the D100, the 2D10s, and one will be kind of the damage you deal if you're successful or damage you take if you are failing a roll. And then the other die um, becomes almost like a narrative die, like Edge of the Empire. Um, if the die is low, good things kind of are coming your way. It's like a little benefit comes through. If the die is high, shit is getting worse, uh, maybe to you or around you. A fire might spread, uh, doors might close and lock you inside. Um, and it's a really cool way of breaking up a like, crunchy roll-under-plane system and giving it some, some heft, some weight, some cool new direction. I love it so much. I love it so much I made a game about it. <laughs> right. I guess that's how I should have explicitly it. said at the top of this, like, I read Cyber Metal and was like, I want to write, I'm inspired. I want to write something that's, uh, it, I, it was never going to be a hack of it or an expansion of it, but it was just like D100 system with these perfect vibes. What vibes could I bring to it? What would I change? And so that is my game that's on Kickstarter. And Max had a similar reaction of like, I don't know. Tell us about it. What did you feel? What did you think on reading Cyber Metal 2012? Yeah, I mean... I, I love I loved the book. I love it. I like was instantly like, oh, I need to play this. I would like to sign myself up for a multi year long campaign of cyber metal, um, which is funny because I don't like metal at all. But, um, you know, 
lots of lots of people around me enjoy metal uh don't always hate its aesthetics but can't stand it as a general rule but uh (laughs) which i think is hilarious because i am so into this game um but it was really this like central role that got me wanting to fiddle with it also the vibes because originally so the game that i have made hand baskets was originally just going to be a an adventure for cyber metal i was like this game rules i'm gonna make something specifically for it um and then i went a little overboard uh but this central skill check thing was the is a rare moment for me where i was like oh this is so mechanically interesting good game design brain like it doesn't which i don't i mean whatever we've gotten into this many episodes of the podcast and how often how often am i like this mechanic rules why why would we roll dice differently like what is more interesting what is a more interesting outcome of a die roll than this potential situation um which which is partially because like it takes the whole concept behind PBTA games of having like mixed success if that's what we're you know if that's the big thing that we're attributing to PBTA is this idea of mixed success and makes it more modular so that it like there are more potential mixings of it than just you roll and get a mixed success it's like you can succeed and shit can get really terrible or you can succeed and shit can get way better uh, or you can succeed and do a little bit of damage in order to make things so i actually inverted this in hand baskets so that shit gets bad <laughs> the more shit gets worse uh if you is more likely to get worse if you're dedicating more of your effort towards p- making do more damage right um i don't know if it'll work I, we're gonna play test a bunch but I, it's fun for me <laughs> um but the idea that like you know i roll a 28 and it's a success and i'm like oh i really want to damage somebody i'm gonna choose the eight which means the leftover die is a two and i was like I like the idea that the player makes a choice to that that doing more violence makes the world worse. Right. <laughs> um, and so inverted that a little bit, but it is it in both ways it makes this really interesting. Yeah, it's just super compelling to be like I rolled a success, but the world is getting significantly worse. I rolled a success and maybe I did so much damage that I like killed my opponent or whatever, but instead of that being this moment of triumph, it could also be this moment where you where everything is getting worse, even though you accomplished what you wanted. And that's like just interesting storytelling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I love it. I love this. I love this central skill check. It is, I think my favorite, uh, income. It is my favorite, except for one other <laughs> central resolution system, which we will talk about another thing that I also pulled into that game, but there are two, there are two central resolution systems that are currently vying for my favorite mechanical thing in the entire world. And this is one of them. Um, but also there's a bunch of other cool shit in this book that isn't just that central resolution because it's like full of like just full of style there's just style everywhere you make your character it can be a human a demon a vermin which is like an uplifted you know little rat or bug but now you're big and human size you can be a husk which is an AI in a decaying body they all kind of have their own different ways of earning experience points and kind of motivating the player to do certain things. Some different mechanics for each. And so um, different, like, like just flavor qualities, right? Like yes. there's like, you know, with the vermin, you have the species that you were based on before. And then like with the husk, you have uh, 
your body's crumbling slowly and you eventually yeah. will have to replace it. Yeah. Which is things um, like you might have, you might not have a nose or you might have a <laughs> fungal growth or a sewn on face. These things yeah. are great. Yeah. Uh, they do the thing that we've talked about really liking before, which is like, they all feel um, distinct and like there's not much overlap between them, which if right. you're going to do we're little guys, it's like give them something unique to do in this game does that by giving them a task but also that like their skills are entirely distinct yeah um everyone also gets a little slot on their character sheet for software that they can swap out at these little sync stations since there's no internet because of y2k you have to like physically plug in everyone has like usb ports and stuff and so you can kind of customize your character in that way you know you could be like oh we're going on this mission i'm gonna almost like the matrix like i'm gonna get this new skill for it or i'm going to get this other weird software that helps me see in the dark or whatever so there's like a nice amount of character options without mm -hmm. it being super overwhelming like you could just say i just always want my character to see in the dark because i hate worrying about light sources and just get that software and just keep it and never worry about changing it or you could get super into those components and swap stuff out um you could have a bootleg copy of yourself because in this game yes. you can back up and reload and you can like back up your whole consciousness and yeah they're save points basically yeah but one of the software pieces is bootleg uh, and so you generate a nearly identical copy of your physical form which excellent wonderful yes yeah, great Who who can, I mean, this does the thing that we kind of want from everything, which I think, you know, we talked about a bunch with Patrick World, but not we, I talked about a bunch with Patrick World, but where like every little mechanical bit, especially if you're the GM, gives you like almost a whole adventure to explore it. Yes. Um, which I think is like, you know, I'm very quickly coming to the realization that that's like what all games should be. Like why put something in your book unless it is inspiring of a whole some kind of arc it doesn't need to be a whole session or whatever but like some kind of exploration you know right. um and that yeah because you also uh you also get your operating system which is like your character class which is another another way in which you can uh, customize your your citizens uh important the citizens of pentagram city which um one of my favorite parts of the book is lucy <laughs> Uh, that is the digital assistant, uh, throwback to Clippy, Clippy, um, but will introduce sections and be like, hello, citizen, <laughs> I am here to assist <laughs> yeah. in your, in your development, which I think is adorable. Um, but yeah, the operating systems are things like Influencer or Undertaker, uh, Thrill Seeker. They're all cool. They give you an extra skill and an item um, and some kind of ability. And then another way to generate XP. And so you uh, have quite, there are quite a lot of character customization options yeah. in this in this game. Um, I mean, a note about physical formats. So I ordered, <laughs> this is the happiest I have ever been that I went all in on the top tier of the crowdfunder. Oh, you got the cards and everything. I got everything. I got oh. the t-shirt. I was like, well, oh, I'm doing it. <laughs> um, yeah, I got everything. Um, but one of the cool things about the physical format, like I have the cards so I could use that. But if you um, 
photocopy and fold up the uh, the software, you can tuck it onto the bottom corner of the character sheet. Yes. So that you, which is just like in in the most positive way possible. Fuck off, Adam Bass. <laughs> <laughs> just. Uh, they must be stopped anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the yeah, layout, it's just the like this beautifully is elegant thing. Yeah. Right. Uh, the, the, it's a full color book. The textures are awesome. The art's great. The typography is just like each spread just seems fully inspired. Like I'm going to dive in and really make this its own thing. Um, but I never feel like overwhelmed. It never feels too hard to read, uh, mm-hmm. which is kind of what, makes me bounce off of a lot of those really intricately designed RPGs as just like, I feel overwhelmed. It makes it hard to find the information I need as a GM. Uh, this does not have this problem. No, no, it does not have what I would call the Morkborg problem. <laughs> we'll get into it. No SR season or whatever. Um, but yeah, it like, I think there's just a lot of space, which I really appreciate. Yes. Yeah. Um, which really gives the text you're able to like flit your eyes around a page and find the text that you're looking for. Cause nothing is nothing. No spread is trying to do more than one thing. Right. Um, which I think is really useful. Also shout out to landscape formats that actually lay open. I love smaller. I love the zine size, but my problem with so many zines, especially once they get into hardcover, um, I mean, mine included, right. <laughs> but like, is that they don't lay flat. And so as a, as an actual table device, um, I think landscape half letter is a wonderful format. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, this book is also full of, I mean, Pentagram City is super heavily developed in the book. There are yes. uh, sections for the different parts of the city, um, the ways that like contests between characters are set up are always given like play examples of like, this could be a fight or it could be a, a battle of the bands. And here's how you might change that. Um, there is a, a lot of lore, but it's all gameable. It's like, here's the section of the city. Here's the baddies who live there and the jobs you might get there. Um, the like shopping and item and crafting section is also just like, there's blood money. You make a promise and like literally take damage as your blood comes out and forms a coin. Um, so it's that thing that I'm sure we've talked about of just like, if there's lore, make it something that the players can latch onto and use if they're interested or at least uh it's something active like it's not an old history it's not uh like here's this ancient powerful guy that you could never hope to overthrow or interact with yeah also make it distinct from everything mechanical right like one of my and i don't know i think a a lot of games do this but one of the things that kind of hit me as you were talking just now is like one of my you know whatever one of my D problems um <laughs> favorite game from last season no uh <laughs> one of my D problems is like i don't want i never wanted to be a character that had any kind of deity associated with it because i didn't want to have to engage with D's pantheon right and so if i'm gonna like this book you can also leave pentagram city out it is interwoven within the book quite a bit but if you wanted to just make it put it into your own city totally fine like you do not need to engage with it if you don't want to right um 
which I feel like sometimes I feel like I've been reading some books lately that kind of have forgotten that, (laughs) that, that, I don't know, maybe this is just because I don't like lore. (laughs) Uh, And therefore I want to, I usually will throw it out. Pentagram City is cool though. I don't. Right. And I think part of it is like, it's really dripping with lore and description. Um, like the gangs, there's there's rules for your own gang, including like setting up a base and like extra storage there and projects you can work on. But it's also modular. You could just be like, we're not going to deal with the gang rules. We don't really want to. It's too much to keep track of. No one wants to keep track of. I don't think it's too much to keep track of. But, you know, I could totally see, oh, we're just doing a one shot. We don't want to get into. And so it's really modular that way. And like the city wards the descriptions and the potential quests and stuff are all really cool but you could just not if you don't want to read that section um there are rules for like daily quests and like almost mmo style events called Mm -hmm. video nasties and you can go and like participate in these and get extra points and status and experience um which I think is really cool. The idea is like, you know, these hell lords are generating these events for their own sick entertainment or whatever. Um, Or another gang has set up a bounty where if you visit these places and, you know, do this vandalism or whatever, you get respect in the city. Um, But similarly, you can just be like, that's not the vibe I'm going for. There's no, you know, there's no character class that says you have to attach to this other thing. and I could see that being a criticism. I could see people saying like, oh, you have all this stuff, you should weave it together. You know, if a player wants to pull on this lever, it should connect to their class or whatever. Um, but I like how modular this is. I like that you could run this game almost like a sitcom of just like a weird bug man and his weird rat husband living in an old mall doing drugs and being weirdos yeah Yeah. um and there's like rules support for some of that the drug section is very good uh and there's like ways that you could work on projects and increase your reputation like just hanging out and having a good house party uh but you could also be like a cool you know classic crime story gang where you're going out and you know trying to rupture another gang's supply line or trying to overthrow the hell lords or something like that like you could do heroic fiction you could do crime fiction you could do stoner comedy it's just so flexible because of that modularity partially yes yeah which i think is part of why like i can latch onto it without being fully fully bought into the metal bit yeah um I also think like metal as an aesthetic is a semi-separate thing than metal the music, but because um, I think that's how pop works. But that's a whole other thing. <laughs> um, whereas I think that like yeah, the aesthetic is super metal, but which I can enjoy because it generally leans towards like yeah, we are engaging with demons and drugs and violence right. uh, as as general themes. Which if you do not want demons and drugs and violence involved in your game, do not get this game. But you <laughs> could, is... like you said, you could strip out the mechanics pretty easily. I mean, I don't know why you would spend the money on this game to do that if you yeah. don't want that stuff. That stuff is in here. It's awesome. Definitely spend your money on this book, but. You know, if you could read this and not want any of that stuff and still get like game design value out of this, uh, 
Yeah, it's a cool book. I mean, I think it like is another one again. Uh, fuck off, Adam Bass. But it is another one of those <laughs> in a games. nice way, in a still. nice way, in a very nice way. Still, um, that is both inspirational and play in play and in design. Yeah, um, which I think is very rare uh, in RPGs, um, or at least very rare for me. Maybe I'm just a picky bitch. I don't know, but uh, it yeah, it's very rare for those things, and it is something that Adam does very well it's so it's <laughs> such a personal times. game right like it's such a personal i couldn't see anyone else putting this game out and i we were just talking about how we want more of that personal stuff even if it comes at the cost of polish or sometimes Financial usability success. this is highly usable yeah uh, but it's also like i don't know if this wasn't highly usable i'd still rather struggle through this than another here's a mega dungeon or whatever, you know, like it's not, not that those can't be good and useful resources for play. It's just as a, as a, as a book and as a, you know, taking into account the idea that most of us buy a lot of books, we're never going to play the value of a book being so inspirational, both from a design and from a design of play standpoint is like, that's more important to me than a yeah. usable piece of material because I'm not lacking in any way, shape, or form for usable pieces of material, right? Yeah. Like I'm not, I'm not a person who I'm I'm swimming in a plethora of things that I could pick up and run at a table right this very second if I need to. Um and I am not swimming in a plethora of things that are actually super unique and stylized and have a viewpoint and a voice and feel really personal right um it's not dissimilar to the first time i read necronautilus where i was like oh fuck (laughs) necronautilus is so good yeah um and again like yeah like i mean like you said yes it is hard to envision anybody that isn't adam making this book and part of that is because they did do all the art right like there is a there's a whole package thing happening here that i think we I certainly aspire to that. I think a lot of people aspire to that. I don't necessarily think is attainable by all of us because all of us have specialties and strengths and weaknesses. And, and we only have so much time to yeah. like learn a new skill. Or yeah. Whatever. And it's not to say that you like can't do a cool thing if you can't do all of it. But part of the reason that I think it is, it is super unique is because it's not just the writing. It's not just the game design. It is also the art. Um, and that is, you know, kind of a, a trifecta that even people who pay other people to put their art and layout together don't hit you know like it's not just about doing it all yourself there is a there is an aligned vision that i think adam would be able to communicate to another person if they were offloading some of that labor you know like i don't um all those things kind of tie and weave together really seamlessly um which is funny to say because part of the seamlessness is that it's all kind of messy (laughs) Right. Well, yeah, and the uh, the um yeah, the ink drawings feel sketched in the best way. Like there's a uh, emotion to them and a uh, kind of engagement, direct engagement with the tools. I feel like I don't remember if it was this game or Necronautilus, but I feel like Adam was like hand making weird drawing tools. Like this is a sharp piece of metal that I'm going to dip in ink and use to make a drawing with and -hmm. stuff like that. And it's just like, uh, you know, those kinds of images might be a little harder to uh, approach or harder to interpret than if someone was using a a fine brush. 
Um, but the the quality of those images and the feelings and like the direct you can look at that image and feel your way through that image up this metal shank that Adam built into Adam's like hand and brain in a really uh, impressive way. Yeah. I think it's, yeah, it is just very impressive. It's very impressive. And I, this is, it is an impossible comparison not to make that my brain keeps making to Morkborg. Um, because, and it, that is not whatever Morkborg and, Cyber Metal, you can buy them both. They can both be great. Obviously, Morkberg, like a million people think Morkberg is wonderful. I think it's fine. I'm not, but it's not. Um, to me, when I say there's like the seamless integration, part of what I mean is that like the mechanics that there, and maybe this is because I'm a system, like I really think about systems a lot. I really think about mechanics and and I really find them, I find it a very compelling part of every game. And I think that occasionally makes me, um, more discerning than than a lot of RPG folks, because I think there is, you know, generally in RPGs, a like take the stuff you like and leave this other stuff, and that leave the other stuff is usually new mechanics, um, which I think you know is like apparent in the just make it in D and D or just homebrew it or just have your this like simple system that can do everything right, and how popular those are, and that's the opposite of what's important to me and what I find really great about this game is that the mechanics support the aesthetic. Like there is an, that's what I mean when I say like there's an art direction to it that is, the only way you can think about it is like, it's kind of aligned to how I think of really good video games being. Um, and I think it's not a thing that I, I don't feel like I see it that often in RPGs, but I feel like I see it a little bit more often in, in video games in that like, you know, the, the visual aesthetic and the narratives and, um, and the combat or the consequences, like all of that kind of ties together with the mechanics um, and they're not really at odds with one another, right? Like yeah. the type of, this is why I'm saying like, if you don't want, if you don't want metal and you don't want, um, if you don't want violence and demons and whatever, don't play this game. Cause I think that like where it shines is taking it exactly, like meeting it exactly where it wants to be met. Right. It's it very is. funny that I'm saying like, you can just take it all apart. It's all very modular. I mean, but at you the can. same time, it's all so woven together, like in a very yeah. I, it sounds paradoxical, but I think both are true, and I think you're right. And it's the same thing with like, uh, like a comic book too. Like, comics are often made on a for hire process, and so sometimes someone's just kind of shitting it out to get paid. But when you have, uh someone being very careful with the art and someone else coming in with uh, purposeful coloring choices. And if the lettering placement is worked on beforehand so that it's not covering the art and the paneling is done in a way that, you know, tells the rhythm of the story, like, you're right that this RPG does that in a way that a lot of them don't. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's the whole. It's the whole package. It is it's the whole package. package. I do think that, like, yeah, you could take out you could take out Pentagram City if you wanted to, or you could take out the specifics of Pentagram City, or you could take out the video nasties and do a more traditional kind of adventure. I still think the the style and aesthetic touchstones of whatever city you would put it in, or whatever adventure you're kind of telling, are going to somewhat align with will be similar to Pentagram City, will be similar to the idea of the video nasties, right? Because of how strong that vision is throughout all of the mechanical elements. Um, 
yeah which is part of why like when i first read the whole fallout bit where like the roles are complicated they're not complicated they're like complex um and having that like complexity and saying that like kind of this idea of nothing ever doesn't happen and nothing comes for free is kind of what feels like it's at the core of that, you know, that like, and I don't mean like free is an actual money. It's like, you know, anytime you're trying something that is difficult or you're trying to overcome an obstacle of some variety, there is, there are consequences. There are huge costs. The world um, is changing around you in response yeah. to your actions. Yeah. And, and on a meta level, what that means is like as a player, what you're doing every time you do something it matters um and i think that's the part that really like i don't know activated my ancient brain cells or whatever like <laughs> that that it you know that not i mean whatever i say this all the time but there are so many games that are like i roll and nothing happens and i yeah. know that pbta tries to get away from that and i think pbta still does that often i think that it's a I think it was an obviously design step and they're not all PBTAs. Some PBTAs still do that, right? I think there's still a possibility that when you roll a failure, nothing really hugely moves because that is um, a moment when it is all up to the GM to make compelling. Right. And I think that a more interesting way to do that is to share some of that, that cognitive load, share some of that narrative power on things that are failures, but also to not even like frame them as failures, you know? To frame them more as like the world is shifting, the story is shifting. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's something. There's just like so many. There's so many brain moments <laughs> I had while reading it. it. Was like, what if we just made games that didn't even like? Yes, it has success and failure, and that you're trying to accomplish something, and that might not happen. But also that like, yeah, there's just a bunch of layers that can be read from a single die roll, and the the responsibility of like of the narrative movement and the narrative weight of each die roll is kind of like split up between a bunch of different players. I don't know. I like it. Yeah. It's just a lot. That's why, that's why I stole it. <laughs> that's why I stole it. It's like, good game. Good. Um, I think, is that it about this game? Adam is currently funding sweet revenge. You can go to go to hell.io to, uh, get a copy it is a game of i think like working your way through hell to rebuild yourself and uh the cover looks so amazing the layout is cool uh adam also just released a little valentine's game called the lovers that i just ordered a copy of uh we'll have a link to the store in the show description if you haven't already looked it up uh one of the cool things about the the crowdfunding for uh sweet revenge. sweet revenge is that you can pay more for it and that is a sliding scale um so that more people can have access to it which i applaud thoroughly yeah um so i will i have not yet but i will go and buy the expensive versions so that it is easier to offer it to other folks for the cheaper version um yeah i think that might be it about this game and i've talked about it a little bit but i also think you should talk a little bit more about how it inspired your game um i mean i think it's just the encouragement to go forth with a thing that 
feels important and feels me without worrying about uh, trying to make it look like something else. Um, although like there are a ton of specific vibes that I'm drawing from. Um, I think like one of the hardest things about making any kind of art is like making yourself vulnerable enough to put yourself into that. I don't mean literally putting yourself into that, although Adam Bass is literally in Cyber Metal 2012. <laughs> but just the idea of like, it can be scary to put yourself in something because then if someone doesn't like it, they are partially not liking you. And so one way to approach that is to like completely separate yourself from the art you make. Um, and some people do that. And sometimes the art they make is cool. But to me, it's like lacking this kind of spark. And so like the long drawn out process of trying to make myself vulnerable, trying to recognize the parts of myself that I admire, that I'm scared of or anything like that. And then to find ways to put that into something that I will then give other people. Um, and Adam has so clearly done that with this game. And, you know, it's set in a specific place, in a specific time. And so I am trying to replicate those vibes. My game is also set, uh, like, at the edge of the last millennium. And so, you know, it's drawing on some of the stuff, like, that we will talk about in future little episodes like this, like The Invisibles by Grant Morrison and a whole bunch of artists, or The Matrix, um, but is also... I'm trying to recapture those feelings of like being a confused teen at the end of the millennium, trying to define myself, both by defining myself, but by pushing off against others and, you know, hating stuff and loving stuff. And, uh, but there's also just like weird magic and like crazy, you know, tech brain stuff. And it is also about, you know, like the hopes of what the next millennium will bring. Is that it? I got way off topic. <laughs> no, that's good. That's the point. It's yeah. interesting. I think it's like, I, I mean, I know that that's not our usual stint here on RTFM because usually we're just reading books and talking about them. But I do think that as we go forward, I, I probably am going to encourage us to like put a little bit more like theory and philosophy and like our reactions and responses to things into it. Because I think for me, that's what's interesting, you know, right. for, for me, what's interesting about talking with you about games is your unique perspective on those games right which comes right. we from chose each other to do things. this podcast we yeah, just, yeah 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 you know. uh and and that's it's the same as people who are making games right like we're reflecting on other people's games here but i think we integrated into our game making process but the reason that i want to read someone's game is because of all of their life experience and all of the thoughts and processes and feelings that they've had through that you know um which i do think is a really big part of this and is like is a process I'm trying to get better at, which is funny because I've been like, whatever, a professional artist for a very long time now, um, but not in a way, not in a way for a while that has had to really like engage um, my personhood in the same, in the same degree uh, in that I think I got a little burnt out on that. And then was like, Ooh, games, games are fun. And only recently <laughs> I've been like having a similar process of like, wait, there's a lot of stuff that's weird about me and I could just lean into that weird. Right. 
And um, it can be a totally exhausting process. And yeah. like, no shame to anyone that just wants to play a free league RPG that is not deeply emotionally engaging. Like, we all need time to not do that as well and to like <laughs> refill those batteries. And so, if you play games as a way to like, you know, rest your brain and rest your emotions, I get that. No shade. No, yeah. you know, I don't think my deeply personal way is the way that everyone should try to be. I think that is my way of like being in me. And yeah. I also think it's, I mean, it's funny because for me, it's like, that's not how I play games, but it is how I, I'm trying to make them. You know, yeah. like there's a divide a bit between I'm going to make this deeply weird personal thing or I'm going to try and make this deeply weird personal thing, but I still kind of want you to just have fun with it. Like this game to me is not going to be a harrowing time to play. This is not one of those games that like you read and you're like, oh, that would be like emotionally difficult to right. play. I don't like think something like The be, Witch or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Like I, that's not the goal here, but it, it does feel like a deeply personal uh, craft, um, which I think is, you know, a different. And I think that the process of creating things can be very harrowing for individuals absolutely it's scary uh i mean especially i think in rpgs we've been talking about this a bit but i think it's hard when so much of indie rpg space is kind of about attention and clout and the internet and whatever and that makes it and people like literally trying to make a living as well like people are struggling um yeah it's the the financial aspect and the creative aspect i think in most industries is like they mutate each other and tug on each other in some strange ways and sometimes some scary ways and sometimes some painful ways um yeah i mean i think there's very few people that can find success making deeply personal things and i i as a person who has been again a professional artist for a million years i would say the best thing you can do for your art is not make it your profession but (laughs) (laughs) it will it will your art will never be as good as it will be if you cannot make it make you make money however (laughs) that is uh not not everybody has the freedom to do that. And sometimes the concession, like for me, the concession of not having to go and do a normal day job um, at the expense of probably some artistic integrity is worth it. That that works better for my emotional well-being than having a day job and doing art on the side. But I think a lot of folks uh, find a lot more success in the, in the opposite direction. Um, but yeah, all that to say, make more weird, deeply personal things. I am trying to do it. This is why, uh, if if you have noticed in my last chunk of releases, witchcraft has become a bit of a more common topic, including including the game, including hand baskets. But that's largely because I was, you know, being like raised Wiccan and then having very complicated relationships to family has meant that like for a long time, my life has been like, I hate all the witchy iconography that's all over the place it just makes me think of my unpleasant my unpleasant feels towards what that actually manifests like i get that it's internet cool or whatever but that's very different than uh my exposure to it and recently i've been like but also this is a huge part of forming me into a human so maybe i should not just ignore it all the time right uh turns out um yeah i don't know just a like 10 10 10 10 game uh i'm very excited to i just received my copy of soul burner also oh uh, which yeah which is by adam bass is it's also just i think they're either all been shipped or in the mail or whatever um but yeah just i don't know just banger after banger from from, from world, world champ, champ game co yeah um cool well thanks again 
we are under an hour. These are gonna, I was like, this will be a 15 minute, this will be a 30 minute episode. We made it to 45. Um, links to Adam's stuff in the show description, link to our Kickstarter in the show description. We both have um, pretty extensive previews of the games up, so you can take a look at them. Yeah, I was freed from card jail. <laughs> yeah, I was in Max, card jail for 48 Max's hours. Max's game was too horny for card.co. I wish it was too horny. I think it was violent. too violent. Oh, yeah. I don't know. It got automatically flagged. Like in the creating of the site, they wouldn't even let me put it up. So there were clearly, there's clearly some like use the word murder too many times, which I think is a totally <laughs> legit line or whatever. Like something I described was too violent. Uh, but they, uh, they responded very quickly and were like, oh no, it's for like, I was like, it's for a game. Let me know what I got to remove. I'm not like actually advocating for violence. And they were like, yeah, yeah, no, it's fine. Um, so it's up. So now people can actually see a preview of it that went up today. I'm excited about it. Very cool. Um, next episode, we're having a little movie night. We will be talking about Battle Royale, the 2000 Japanese film. Yes. And The Matrix. Yes. Um, and so feel free to watch them ahead of time. Uh, Battle Royale, if you're in the U.S., is free on Tubi, which is awesome, which is a free streaming service. Check out Tubi if you haven't. I mean, I'm not shilling for them. I have no idea what their politics are, but it's a free streaming service that has cool stuff on it like Battle Royale. Uh, also, the book's really good. If you're not a movie watcher, Battle Royale the book. And the comics good. are good, too. I read, like, the first random volume of the manga at some point, I think. Sorry. The book. Manga. The manga. The book, definitely. I read it when I was a teenager and had so many, like, oh, would I kill my partner if I was in this circle? Like, it really fucks your head um, in, in a very fun way to engage with. Um, yeah. And link to our Discord, also in the description. Max has already scheduled some play tests for hand baskets. We're going to try to get more in there as well um, if you want to play these games or just talk about things like Cyber Metal 2012 or The Matrix. <laughs> yeah. Come talk to uh, us about The Matrix. Yes, yeah. we are pro Matrix people. <laughs> uh, that's it, I think. Yeah. Did you, oh. See, I should have found a I should have found a quote from the game, shouldn't I? Yeah, I'm just going to open it's a, a random good, page. It's a good game, it's, full of good quotes. It's all good. A Goliath creature with an ancient aura that moves so slowly it can be perceived as stillness. This is the description of the megalith, a big stone monster. It's yeah. good. It's good. Said to create the illusion of a fire pit, a cabin, or other functional space to lure humanoids within and crush them. To a bloody paste for sustenance. Yeah, get your boron, friends. <laughs> All right, on that note, goodbye. <laughs>